Are there certain mistakes that you see over and over again that people make with contracts that they should absolutely avoid? Yeah, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's like some quick wins for you guys. The biggest mistakes that I see are around numbers. Everybody tends to start out with Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Brands That Book Show, where we help creative businesses find more clients and build their brands. I'm your host, Davey Jones. Today's guest is Christina Scalera. Christina is the attorney and founder behind The Contract Shop, a contract template store for creative entrepreneurs, wedding professionals, and coaches. Three years ago, Christina found herself dreaming of pursuing a more creative path, and she started to look for alternatives to her in-house legal job. She explored everything from teaching yoga, to becoming a freelance graphic designer, to opening an Etsy shop. And in the process, she ended up coming full circle by creating a business that brought the benefit of her legal training to help her fellow creatives. All right, Christina, welcome to uh, the Brands at Book Show. I'm so happy that you're able to join us, um, in part because I've been on Creative Empire twice now and have had, had a blast uh, being interviewed by you and, and Raina. Um, so I've been excited to have you on uh, this show. And, I, and I'm not going to lie, it's actually been really difficult uh, to prepare for this interview because the span <laughs> of things, the span of things that I want to talk to you about is pretty great. You know, like you could talk about e commerce. Uh, I mean, just before this conversation started, before we started recording here, we were talking about affiliate marketing and we were talking about trademarks. So there's so many things that we could talk about. So it was really hard to say, okay, no, um, we're going we're gonna to take this time. We're going to talk about contracts and everything that you need to know about contracts. Um, so that was really difficult to narrow the conversation down just to that subject. And I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if we stray uh, a little bit here. But you're you're in Colorado right now, where you spend a lot of your winter, right? Yeah, that's correct. We uh, this is a new thing in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Super jealous about that. So again, thank you for taking time out of skiing uh, to join us here. We um, we start <laughs> with uh, with pretty much ep- every episode, just trying to get a sense for uh, your background. And, and one thing that we found, one thing that I've really enjoyed learning, is that every ba- everybody's background is so varied. You know, it's uh, the journeys generally aren't you know in a straight line. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, went to college for something completely different or had a, had jobs and side hustles that were completely different than what they're doing now. Uh, and I. I know that's the case for you because uh, we've chatted before. So could you just tell us about, you know, how you got started? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny to hear you asking that question because I feel like you're such a big part of my story. Um, So I graduated from law school, got my dream job working in-house, just really, really excited for that. And for a lot of different reasons, including some health-related stuff, I ended up quitting. I kind of had reached burnout. I was working full-time, studying for the bar full-time, um, going to school full-time, and then I take this full-time job, no breaks, right? Um, I 
just straight through college to law school to full-time job. And it was just also overwhelming and my health started to really deteriorate. So for a lot of reasons, health included, I left, um, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I'm not really someone who's good at moderation. So I went in the total opposite direction and became a yoga teacher because I had seen an attorney who had become a successful yoga teacher in DC. Um, we became really good friends. She was a mentor of mine and she kind of helped me get this business started in Atlanta. The problem was I just was really, really bad at booking clients. I um, would get back to them late. I didn't have a contract to send them to them because when you graduate from law school, there's not like a bank of contracts <laughs> or legal documents that gets handed to you. Um, just like everybody else, I had to go to LegalZoom and the corners of the internet and try to pull something together. Um, because when you Google, you know, yoga teacher contract, unless you find it in my shop, you're probably not going to find it. <laughs> I so, feel like that's so surprising to hear just because of, uh, I mean, since I've known you, uh, I mean, it's just shocking to me that you you had trouble booking clients, you know, because I just think um, you're such a savvy business person. Uh, and then also just coming out of law school and having trouble with con with contracts, I think that says something about the complexity of, of this issue. <laughs> I would agree with that. So I was really frustrated. And um, I will say that even though I'm I'm really good at closing deals now and getting clients on board. And I have two businesses. One's a service-based business. One's a, a product-based business. So in my service-based business, we do have a really, really good conversion rate to the point where we keep putting our prices higher and higher. People keep saying yes. So that's a good problem to have. Um, but back then, that was that was not what was happening. And small tip for for you guys listening out there. Don't take two weeks to send someone a proposal when they say they want to work with you. Um, <laughs> That was a big issue. I was taking a long time, right, trying to find these contracts. And then I was trying to make them really beautiful in Photoshop with my incredibly limited, horrific graphic design skills. Um, so adding florals to the outside and having this thing that they'd have to print and send back to me. It was just this horrible thing. So what um, what ended up happening is I took two weeks to put this thing together, um, put it into Photoshop. If you ever tried to write like a seven page document in Photoshop, it's just don't. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um, that's what InDesign is for if you have to go that route. But I didn't know that at the time. And so finally, this thing is done. It's horrifically pretty. Like in the in hindsight, it was not pretty. But at the time, I was like, this is beautiful. I can't wait to send this. Um, but then when it came time to send it, I'm like, wait, two weeks have passed. And I start doubting everything about me, right? So this is a situation that I find myself in. Um, also, like many of you, I'm like, but the possibilities are endless. I could be a calligrapher. Uh, well, I have to shoot photography for my blog that I have for this yoga thing. So maybe I could be a photographer. Um, well, I have to design graphics for Pinterest. I'm actually a good graphic designer. I wasn't. <laughs> Um, but you know, these were all the things that I'm like, well, you know, yoga is not really making money. I don't know if I really want to work with clients like one-on-one -on -one in that intimate kind of way, um, as a private yoga teacher. And so I'm like, all oh, these other possibilities are now a thing because I started this blog and I've, I've gotten experience there now. Fortunately, I went to a lot of different creative conferences. That was where I met you in the fall of 2015, um, at creative at heart in Charleston, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that was like, that's like, if you guys want to meet someone, this is probably not how you should do it. I, um, I messaged, so the rising tide had just started and Chris, the co-founders 
And I had messaged Krista and I was like, hey, I know you're here. Uh, I want to talk to you about this idea that I have. And I like zero business experience, zero success, um, just like a passion to do this thing. I messaged her and I'm like, I think you need a podcast. That's where it's going. <laughs> and she was like, well, you were right. I love Krista. You're right. That's where that's where things were going. You know, I wish I started this podcast like three years ago. I just need everybody to get a three year head start. That's, but yeah, go ahead. No, I love it. So, um, so you know, like here I am, all these like creative pursuits and passions, and dabbling in all these things. Um, not really making money, but except for working with a couple legal clients on the side, and then finally seeing the light, and then coming to this creative conference where I'm like business, legal, it all makes sense. You know, all this stuff meshes together and then approaching Krista and she's like so polite about it. She's like, well, I think you should talk to Davey. And so I ended up talking to you there. And um, at the time, the contract shop or what, what is now the contract shop had had been born. I, I put up a Squarespace website. I had this idea. I was trying to pre-sell the templates. Um, I had a couple nibbles here and there, but not really like success, right? And you're like, well, I, I think a podcast is maybe a little far out right now from what we're doing, but we are doing this webinar series. Um, and you were so kind to bring me on to this webinar series, which I had no idea what to expect. Like, <laughs> we didn't either. You know, I'll let you in on a little secret. We, you know, webinars were a new world to us. Uh, and the podcast to me, it, it always sounded like a really great idea. I think we were just so busy at the time with so many different, yeah. uh, you know, things going on with our own business and then with rising tide society growing. Um, but, you know, whether you had realized it or not at the time, I mean, you were basically, you were offering a ton of value to us because A, you were a lawyer, you know, and I think one of the most, one of the biggest questions we get are, are about contracts and trademarks and copyright law and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, and we couldn't keep up with the amount of content that we wanted to create, you know, so it, it was awesome that you came along and, and, uh, and pitched that idea. Well, I'm, I am glad I asked. I was horrified on that first <laughs> webinar. Um, and then you were so kind also to let me pitch. And I think I put out the world's worst pitch <laughs> to this giant audience that, that you were so kind to put me in front of. And it was just kind of like, um, well, I have this website that um, it kind of has this stuff on it. If you want, you can go buy it. Like somewhere out there, someone has the recording. I hope it's been destroyed. But it was <laughs> I'm still proud of the content, actually. I still use the slides that I created. Um, like, that's like kind of my foundational content that I still use for some presentations. But yeah, that pitch was not good. <laughs> but the important part was that you just got out there and you did it. You know, right. you just, I mean, all of that, through all of that, you know, you just kept on, you just kept going, you know, and you, you went and pitched, even though maybe at the time you didn't know really what that should look like, or you probably coached somebody a little bit differently than, you know, how you did it in the past, right? Um, and the webinar was new, but you, you did it anyways, and you got out in front of people. And I think, uh, I mean, I remember the webinar, and I thought it was a great webinar. I mean, as far as the value goes, I mean, we could talk about the, the sales pitch at the end, um, but the, the content that you provided was incredible. And so I think a lot of people were, were blessed by that, um, you know, by getting on and watching that. Well, thanks. Yeah. So anyway, that was how the contract shop was was founded. And um, it, it was just my name at the time. And it's since evolved into that. So. And so really, it was it was at Creative Heart where you kind of realized, hey, you know, I, I love this creative side because you had been exploring, you know, different things, whether it be yoga or calligraphy or, or, or photography. Um, and uh, and then going to Creative, you realized, oh, wow, this this legal stuff, like people need this legal stuff as well. 
Yeah, it was a culmination of a couple of different things. So it was a culmination of, of being a creative, having that reinforced, because at the time I had already started the site. Um, so kind of to back up just a little bit, I had, as I was like seeking, like, what am I going to do? I don't know. I'm, I'm in this place of really, if, if you're there, you know the frustration. Like, mm-hmm. you know how hard it is to be there where you're like, I could do so many different things, but I don't know which one is going to be like whatever you want, your, your ticket to financial freedom or um, time freedom or whatever it is that you're looking for. And so that's where I was. And I, I went to three conferences. I went to Loom with Bonnie Bakhtiari, mm-hmm. and that was where I met Jenna, um, Jenna Kutcher. So we're pretty good friends now. And she, um, she's, a, she's a client and I'm in her mastermind, that kind of thing. So that was where that relationship started. And she just kind of pulled me aside that night at a loom. She hadn't talked at all. I had no idea who she was. I was the only person there that didn't know who she was. And she was like, you have to do this thing. Cause I had come into that conference, like I'm a yoga teacher, but also a lawyer. And I don't know how those things go together. And she was like, this is the thing that you need to do. Um, so I'm forever grateful to her for just like pulling me aside in that moment. Cause that yeah. was what kicked off the website. And then getting that reinforced that I went to making things happen and creative at heart as well. So those those were like the reinforcing aspects of like this is something that people need because once I just kind of stuck my I guess like stuck my nose out there and I was like, hey, I have this website and I sell this thing. Once I started telling people about the website and the contract templates, everybody was like, Oh my gosh, I need to go find it immediately. And it was like this I don't want to say like craze, but it was like this very excited feeling that people would get. And that felt really, really good after two years, essentially, of people being like, yoga, health, nah, I don't want like your, my blog had maybe 100 readers on it. And half of them were spam bots. But, (laughs) um, you know, to go from like 100 readers to like 600 readers a month, that was huge. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's so many different people that have gone through a similar a similar journey, and and certainly I have in the last uh, couple years. Um, as we transitioned out of Rising Tide Society, there are so it's so hard when uh, there are so many different things you can do, and then also so many different things that you enjoy doing. You know, um, to figure out okay, here where where do I where should I focus my time and energy? So I think that's a uh, I think that's a journey that that will resonate with um, a lot of people, but shifting our uh, shifting our attention uh, towards contracts um, I feel like it is an afterthought even for somebody you know like you who was a lawyer at the time when you were doing this uh, this yoga studio it's it's kind of an after it's kind of an afterthought for people um, to to say okay I need a contract um, and even now I, I kind of find myself um, interested in different people that I work with, especially like a lot of lawn care providers, uh, just different different contractors that Chris and I have hired to do work around the house. Some of them, you know, require contracts and some of them just kind of show up and do the work and get out. Like, why do you think it's such an afterthought for people? And then who needs a contract, do you think? Yeah, great questions. Uh, I think it's an afterthought because it's scary. Mm-hmm. Most people tell they have the story in their head right like I have a story in my head that I'm bad at math I'm probably not really bad at math but I just don't try I I have the same story but I'm actually bad at math it's a true story (laughs) so okay but like think about the stories that we tell ourselves like Mm -hmm. the patterns that we put ourselves in and I think one of them as business owners is that you know we tell ourselves legal is scary and it doesn't help that there's a bunch of attorneys out there that are telling you that you can't do things yourself Um, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I had a professor in law school that just 
told us to make things complicated for people because that was how we were going to keep our jobs. That was how you stay in business is you make things hard and then they need you as the attorney, as the translator to help them with their, their stuff. And I don't believe in that. I think people are actually a lot smarter than we give them credit for. I think the people that are out there that are maybe um, just kind of getting their feet wet or, or kind of timid about business um, or making excuses as to I can't send that contract, it's too long, or I can't send that contract, it's too complicated, I don't understand it, I'm scared to send it. Those are all just stories that we have in our head because first of all, if, if it is truly an issue like where you don't understand something, then it's your responsibility as the business owner to understand that fundamental core document that's the foundation of your client service provider relationship. Um, and so whether that means getting a new template or it means, um, you know, having an attorney or a friend or somebody like walk you through what your contract actually means. So our contracts come with hold my hand guides where we just like walk you through each provision. So you actually know what your contract is saying to you, um, because that's really important when a client has a question about your contract it doesn't look professional for you to go back and say, actually, I don't know. I didn't draft this thing. I have no idea. I just downloaded it from somebody on the internet. Here <laughs> it is, like figure it out. Um, or what often happens is you get scared, right? Like you're like, Oh, I'm not going to book this client anymore. So you, you pull that provision out and that's, that's really important. Like everything that's in our templates, I, I can't speak for other attorneys. I'm sure it's the same, but um, at least in ours, I know that Everything is there for a reason and there's nothing that's repeated. There's nothing that's excessive. There's nothing that um, we've left out. Like it's it's all very specific. And so to take something out be, just because you don't understand that provision can be really dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's that's why contracts or just legal things in general with your business are scary. People just have this idea that they're going to go to jail. <laughs> they're like, I just don't want to go to jail. And, um, you know, that, that any kind of legal move that they make, whether that's registering an LLC or, or, um, you know, getting a contract or, or sending a contract, um, that that's something that could land them in jail or that they could get in trouble for. And, I get it because it's it's very permanent, right? Like when you sign up for an LLC, it's not just like you signing up for a 14-day trial. This <laughs> is you committing to your state um, that you are in business now. And that's that's a really scary commitment for people to make. And then, you know, even further, when you work with clients, sending that contract that you know is a legal binding, legally binding document, um, that can be really scary because you're like, what if I left something out? What if I left too much in? What if I said the wrong thing? And so you start to second guess and question yourself if you're not really confident in the document that you're sending. Um, so there's two ways to get confidence in the document that you send. One is to have somebody else do it for you. And it's it's done. You know that it's been, you know, through the ringer, uh, vetted, tested, downloaded, um, or drafted by an attorney. So that's one way. And then the other way is just through experience. So that's kind of the school of hard knocks freeway. Um, and it's just like anything else, right? You have an SEO course. People can spend 10 years trying to figure out SEO for themselves, or they can just take the shortcut, grab your SEO course, and they're done, right? Like they know what they're doing now, and they're getting results in six months instead of six years. So, I mean, just like anything else that's available for them, that's that's the path. Um, I am forgetting your second question. That was a follow-up. Oh, no, it was really it was really who needs, uh, but I, I mean, this is a good place yeah. to pause because I, I what you what you're saying reminds me of something that I, uh, I it was either in one of his books, but Tim Ferriss, author of a Four Hour Workweek, right? It was either in one of his books or it was an interview that I was listening to, um, and he was talking about all these interviews he does with these these crazy talented people, and I think it was in 
the context was uh, Tools of Titans, which is one of his more recent books. Uh-huh. So one of the interviews he was doing, and he was talking about how how you know a real expert is that they can take what seems like a really complicated subject and break it down into simple components that even he as a you know novice to whatever that subject is could understand. And, uh, and that's something that, that really stuck with me. And I think it's, uh, it's awesome. And we, ha- we have contracts of yours from the contract shop. And I just think it's awesome that you take the time to explain what those things mean, that you don't make it overly complicated just so that it seems like a subject that nobody else could possibly uh, master or do on their own. You know, so I think uh, kudos to you for, um, for doing that. Yeah, trying and, and trying every day to make it easier, better, quicker, faster. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and it's funny, Davey, because I, I've had, I had a lot of resistance to like updating the templates, even though I was getting feedback and, you know, laws were changing, things were changing because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if our, our templates come with lifetime updates? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what if they think that I forgot something or, you know, that, that something was wrong and that I'm, I'm this like bad or imperfect person. And, um, I've just been updating them like crazy lately because I'm, I'm like, you know what? Maybe they think that, but at the same time, like the people that do make the changes and the updates that we're making, they're going to have a better, more solid contract. So, you know, not serving them would be that that wouldn't be um, like having my best business or having my best foot forward with them. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, as far as like who needs a contract, anybody that wants to have a business, this is the first investment that they should be making, um, arguably a website too. But sure. Is there, <laughs> um, so so for anybody who has a business, you know, because like I said, we, we actually had uh, two different companies come and, and cut our yard for, you know, I mean, the, the months in which a yard needs to be cut, right? So sure. um, one company, they just show up. You know, they show up, they, we, we stick uh, money under the doormat. That's how they prefer to collect it. So, and, and that's great. The other company, you know, they're, they're a little bit more technologically advanced. You know, they, they have a sign a, a contract online and then they also just, you know, it comes out of our, it comes out of an account uh, every month, you know, it's auto pay. Um, so even for a company like that, where it's, I think we pay like 35 to $45 uh, a week for that service. So even somebody like that should have a contract. Well, which one are you using now? Are you still using both of them? No, actually, we just we actually ended it this year. So it's something that I've done in the past, and and I actually like doing. It's just the last two years have been busy, so we had somebody else do it for us. Um, yeah. But the second company that we used, the most recent company we used, was the one that didn't have a contract. You know, just kind of preferred cash or check under the under the doormat or in the in the um, mailbox. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it and I'm kind of horrified. <laughs> um, just because, you know, what if they get hurt? Like lawnmowers have lots of crazy things happening. There's yeah. rocks that hurt windows and blades and like all this stuff. Um, you know, and what if it happens on your property? If you have a contract, there's probably something in there, or there should be something in there that is talking about if some you know, if, if the care provider, if the the lawnmower guy or, you know, any of his assigns, blah, 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 um, any of those contractors show up on your property, they get hurt and it's, it's because they were like messing with the blade or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's the company's fault. So that's something that you could read into and see in the contract when you're, you're working with that service provider. And it's no different in the businesses that that are listening to this podcast either. Right. So if you're a brand designer or you're a photographer, um, and somebody gets hurt on your watch, whether that's, like physical hurt, you know, they, they, you put them in a pose and they fell over, whatever, um, or, uh, intellectual property hurt where you are designing something and you don't realize that the design you created is actually like 
you you saw it four months ago somewhere and you internalize it, you didn't even realize it, but you just spit out somebody's mm -hmm. registered trademark um, as your client's design. So those are the kinds of things that if I were hiring a service provider, I would want them to take that professional step um, and have a contract that either tells me that they are liable if something like that happens, I'm not as, as the person using it out in the world, um, or I, I would just make sure that they and or I would make sure that they have insurance um, to protect against things that happen because everybody knows like Murphy's Law whenever something can go wrong it's going to um, and so you know just having the contract it's it's there for the service provider to make sure that they get paid um, and to promise to the client what's actually going to be happening during the work together and then also probably the section that everybody reads talk about how this this agreement gets canceled or terminated eventually. Um, and then also on the flip side, that contract is there for you as the client to make sure that the service provider is actually going to do what they said they were going to do. So you know exactly what it is that they're providing. And then um, the, the manner like how they actually are going to be providing this is their insurance behind them? Do they have um, you know, do they guarantee results for 14 days? Or like, you know, if, if you're not happy with your landscaping or your brand or your um, copywriting, like, do you get revisions? Or do you get somebody to come back and fix your, your landscaping? So those are the things that are protective for the client. Um, so it really works from both sides. And uh, that's why I, 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 th I just think everybody needs needs a contract, even if you're selling a product, right? Like your contract isn't necessarily a client service agreement, but you have a terms and conditions policy on your website that outlines what people can and cannot do on your website and what they can and cannot do with, with the images, the blog posts, um, the intellectual property you create. So you're any kind of trademarks that you have names, logos, yeah. um, course names, things like that. So and that's, it's, it's really interesting yeah. uh, what you're saying about, because as a business owner, I'm always thinking, when I think about contracts, I think about it in terms of how it's going to protect me, you know, how it's going to protect <laughs> my business. And so, yeah. you know, uh, like thinking about uh, somebody coming and cutting your yard, I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, how is their contract going to protect me? I'm just, I was just kind of stunned. Oh, they don't have a contract, you know, so what kind of protection do they have? But it's so, I think this is a good um segue into talking about uh, contracts in terms of the, the client experience because I think we get worried uh, at least at least we did when we first started like sending over contracts and sending over proposals and kind of worrying about how it's going to be received or even um, everybody I think at some point is going to get questions about their contracts so how can we how can we make um, a contract work for us in our client experience instead of uh, being something that we have more fearful over yeah, great question. Um, part of it is downloading the things that you guys have in your shop, which are uh, – Davey's not paying me to say this, guys. Um, <laughs> but downloading things like client magazines and having um, client-specific pages on your website maybe that are password protected to help them maybe elevate the experience, make them feel a little exclusive. Um, and I really like those ancillary products that – that supplement the contract for two reasons. One, it, it really helps your clients to feel loved on because they're getting this thing that you very, uh, it's, it's obvious that you took care and dedicated your, your time and resources to creating this for their benefit, just solely for their benefit. I mean, you don't need to know what a wedding day timeline is. You've done this 50 million times, mm -hmm. uh, but they've never gotten married before. So to have like a client magazine or a page on their website uh, just for them, that's like, hey, welcome, um, Eric and Kayla, like, we're so excited to shoot your wedding. And, you know, here's what you can expect if you don't have the money to print this off or, you know, you're 
all digital. That's what you do. Otherwise, you have like a client magazine that you can send with a little gift, ribbon, whatever you want to do. Um, and the reason the, the reason these two that that's important is not just for that elevated experience, but also for the second reason that I hadn't gotten to yet, which is that it helps explain the terms in your contracts that are really, really, really important, like the cancellation provision, like what they can and can't do with their images, like the amount of time you're going to be available to work with them and not anymore <laughs> <laughs> because they're paying you for just a certain amount. It reinforces all those things that are really, really important, but kind of suck to point out in your contract mm -hmm. um so it's not that they're not in the contract they're still in the contract but you're just highlighting those things for the client um in multiple places so that it's more likely that they're they're going to they're going to be compliant and then if there's ever something that's a problem you can say well <laughs> it's in your contract but it's also here and here and here and here and then the, like they can't scapegoat you they can't be mad at you as a service provider because they just didn't pay attention. Yeah. Does that make it, sense? Oh, absolutely. I think I think okay. it provides a great a great way for for you to educate people in a different context, right? So instead of sending the contract over and being like, hey, just so you know, my engagement session it lasts two hours and at, at two hours and one minute I'm out. You know, right? That the way that would come off would be you know, much more antagonistic, right? Than just explaining, you know, the length of the engagement session within an engagement session guide that kind of goes over. Oh, this is why we keep the, or this is this is why engagement sessions generally last this this long, you know, and this is what you can expect, and you know, so on and so forth. And this is what we would do in the in the event of weather, uh, instead of highlighting those things in the contract, where you know it almost seems uh, a little bit abrasive that way, probably. Definitely, one hundred percent. <laughs> so one of the things that I think uh, we, I mean, I, I was always certainly worried about was getting questions about the contract um, and having, uh, especially not even things a lot. It wasn't even, I mean, we were certainly, we've certainly been asked in the past to t take certain things out, especially when it comes to like copyrights and stuff like that. And I'm talking about this in, in more in the in context of our uh, photography business, Christa Jones Photography. Um, but we've also been asked to add things to the contract like specifying exactly who's going to be there on the day or, or, you know, stuff like that. So when you get questions from your client about a contract, uh, especially in regards to removing a clause or adding a clause, uh, do you have advice for people on how to handle that? Yeah, well, I can I can give general scenarios. Like, I'm not going to give advice because I just don't know everybody's like specific oh, yes, scenarios. Yes, for sure. But um but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this like generally and, and just kind of give some some information and background on it. Um, so when you make a change to your contract, it's called an amendment. And um, typically, most contracts have some kind of way that you can amend a contract. Probably the most common way is just to have everybody's contact information in the contract and say that um, any kind of written correspondence or acceptance is, is acceptable. That's my favorite way to do it. Um, it, people are kind of surprised, I think, because they think like this amendment needs to be this big deal where uh -huh. you have like something new signed or whatever. But that's not convenient for you. It's not convenient for your clients. And, you know, an email to your client saying, hey, you wanted this thing and this thing and this thing. Do you agree that, that this is now a part of our agreement? Um, and then the client writes back, says, yes, I would love that. Done. Cl uh, contracts amended. And that's allowed for in, in my templates um, if, if you don't change them. Um, and most other templates that I've seen have, or, you know, contracts that I've seen have some kind of amendment provision like this. So 
Yeah, I mean, if you are looking at adding something, I would ask, like, what is the purpose? And, you know, does is this previously covered in the contract, maybe in different language? Is there some kind of clarity of language that needs to happen in what's already existing? Because one of the things that can happen if you're making additions to a contract is you introduce ambiguity. And ambiguity is um, just a fancy word for saying, like, you don't know what is the right way to go forward um, in a situation. So what I mean by that is typically I will see a lot of service providers have three or four cancellation provisions and they just need the one, right? So Mm -hmm. you can break it down into different sections, but like you don't need to have how the client can or can't cancel four times in your agreement. (laughs) Having it four times doesn't make it any more, um, clear it doesn't make it any more it it, yeah it it muddies the water a lot because you're like which one of these four is going to apply now that i do have to cancel this contract Mm -hmm. um so it doesn't make it any more potent to put it in four times it's it's much better to have it in there once state it really really clearly there's no confusion you know exactly how to cancel the contract or you know whatever the provision is at stake um and then that's it. So if if you're adding something, I would look and see if it's already there to reduce the chances that you're going to muddy the waters and introduce that ambiguity. Um, and maybe it's just a matter of like adding more specificity if that's something you're comfortable with. Um, as far as taking things out, it's, it's the same thing. You're asking like, what is the consequence of taking this out? If I take this out, worst case scenario, like we flood the hotel and um, people fall out of the second floor windows and like worst case scenario, how does this affect our arrangement? Um, And so, you know, I don't think that all client demands are unreasonable. I will say that the majority of requests that I've seen like this are just kind of clients that are, um, what's the best way to say this? I'm just going to say it. Um, clients or usually it's their significant others who are insecure and trying to assert their, I don't know, superiority, knowledge level, especially if uh, lawyers are the worst. <laughs> they always give me the most anxiety, you know, whenever we work with lawyers <laughs> or whenever I get the email back that's like, hey, we'll get you the contract back. I just needed to send it to my mom who's an attorney, you know, and then I'm thinking, yeah. to myself, oh, this is, oh, is going to be a nightmare. Usually it's not yeah. though. Usually it's not. Yeah. So, I mean, lawyers are like, just be aware that they will always want to make changes because if there's one thing that lawyers hate, it's other lawyers. So so they want to like assert that they know more than whoever drafted this contract and they're looking for any kind of thing to change or, um, especially I'm sorry, Davey, but I've noticed this more with guys, right? Like this, the fiance is like Mm -hmm. really protective. Um, and he's a law student and he wants to change. So, or the, the, the father of the bride, that's also who I usually see doing this. So, um, I think it's important more importantly than the legal stuff. I think it's important to validate your client's concerns Mm -hmm. and just say, like, even if it's a horrible idea, huh, that's interesting. I'll look at that and let me see what I can work out. Um, I don't generally like to introduce that there is an attorney on the back end, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're bluffing, just because I think that, and that, I mean, unless it's really necessary, which in hopefully in a client booking situation, I would run from a client where an attorney becomes necessary. But mm-hmm. um, in that kind of situation, I, it's, it's just, it introduces like a level of distrust. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think to answer your question, as succinctly as possible. I think, um, you know, whenever you're adding or subtracting, look at what the consequences are. Uh, Take that story, even if you believe it 
wholeheartedly take that story that you're not capable of understanding contracts or legal things just because it's legal stuff. Take that story out of your head. Remove yourself from that situation, even for like an hour or 20 minutes or whatever you have. Um, Go through your contract and just ask yourself what the consequences are. And then, I mean, if you are lucky enough to have an attorney in your back pocket, you're married to one, your friends one, whatever, sure, like ask them for a second opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it can't hurt. So, um, or, you know, if you hire somebody, if this is a really big deal, that, that might be worth it. But yeah, I, I think just asking yourself what the consequence of, like, what does this document now look like with, with or without this addition or subtraction um, is, is the best thing that you can do. And then validating that client's concern is the second part of that. So even if it's like the dumbest request ever, you're, you're saying, that's really interesting. Let me look into that. Yeah. Um, that might be a good suggestion. I'm, I'm never saying outright, like, that's a great suggestion. Let me make it right away. I'm saying like, Hmm, what can we do here to make you happy and feel validated and secure? Because usually it's an issue of security, not your contract. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think humans. <laughs> having confidence in your contract goes a long way. And you know, how, like you said at the beginning of this interview, how do you get confidence, confidence in your contract? Um, you know, one way is having an attorney, create it, whether it's a template that was created by an attorney or whether it was, uh, whether you actually went and sat down with the attorney and they drafted something specific to your needs. What we found in the past is we won't, we won't ever alter our contract for anybody because we have a contract that was created based on what we need, you know? And so there's really no reason to alter that. We, we, most of the questions we get are around sharing images and who owns the images. So there's a lot of confusion around like, uh, you know, like we still, we were the ones that shot the images and owned the images, You, yeah. but you can share them, you know, wherever you want. So there's some confusion around that. And I think that most of the time when we get on the phone with people and we explain that, even if they insist in their opinion, that's not what the contract says, you know, we can point to other clients and be like, listen, you can, you're more than welcome to reach out to other clients, but they'll tell you we've never told them they can't download or share or have access to their images. Uh, you know, it's 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 generally stuff like that. And if somebody comes back and insists that we make a change to our contract, we just don't take the client, you know, because at the end of the day, I think that's like a, that's a huge red flag to me. Yeah, it sucks not booking a client, but at the end of the day, they're going to be, I think, most likely so miserable <laughs> down the line. They're going to make you so miserable down the line that that, that contract just wasn't worth it to, be, to begin with. Um, especially is, and, and you mentioned this as well, if that distrust is already there, if before you've ever worked with the client, there's already this argument about what should and should not be in a, in a contract. So, um, you know, ditto to everything you said, and I think it's just important to have confidence in your contract and, and how do you do that? Go get a, a, a contract that, a, that an attorney created. Um, are there anything, and you might not be able to answer this question, but are there things that should be in every contract and i know that's a um you can't you can't answer uh, specifically because no it's fine I'm, I'm happy um i actually have a resource for this so i don't okay, know if, perfect if we can put it in your show notes or Absolutely. something or if i'm allowed to shout it out there but oh um, shout it out okay cool so rock solid contract or rock solid contracts.com rock solid blueprint they're all going to get you to the same place and it's a checklist that walks you through how to have a rock solid contract because you know not everybody can afford our templates i get that 
um, but I still want people to have access to the resources that are helpful for them, that they can maybe go through a contract that they've created or gotten from a friend, um, as long as that friend didn't buy our contract. And no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's that's just a resource that we have that's free um, that people can grab. And honestly, it'll be I'll leave it up for you guys, but it's not something that I'm I'm promoting in other channels because it's such a great resource that people aren't buying our templates. So I'm like, <laughs> I need to take this thing down. <laughs> so that will go over that kind of outline, you know, what you should be looking for in your contract or Absolutely. what you should be putting in your contract. All right. So that's yeah. definitely a resource that we will uh, link to in the show notes. And I encourage people, if you have questions and you don't have confidence in your, in your contract, go there, um, check your contract against this checklist and see, uh, you know, and so next time somebody asks you a question, you don't have to meet that with fear or anxiety, uh, but you can have peace about that. Um, are there, are there certain mistakes that you see over and over again that people make with contracts that they should absolutely avoid? Yeah. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So the, here's like some quick wins for you guys. The biggest mistakes that I see are around numbers. Everybody tends to start out with this, like 30 days from this date, we will, this will happen or like 30 days prior to the event, your last payments due. Those are really bad numbers to have in a contract, in my opinion, because it's not clear what 30 days means, right? So like your wedding's on March 15th and the contract says 15 days before, or 30, or 30 days before and you're like, wait a second, is it a leap year? Like, where is that in <laughs> February? What date is my last payment due? You know, oh crap, I'm on vacation and I forgot to pay. Like, it, it's just much easier when you have a, um, like a date in there. Mm-hmm. So every every template of mine i'm sorry for keep ref- but i mean this is my frame of reference but sure. um in my templates i make sure that i have a, an example of a table right and so it's like this payment in this exact amount is due on this exact date so that's an easy way to just have a quick win in your contracts um all the 30 days from date, 30 days prior to date, 120 days prior. Like nobody wants to calculate that out. Yeah. Does that include business days, holidays? Like just have the exact dates and then there's no ambiguity. Remember mm-hmm. what we talked about? Erase that. It's somewhere where it's just super easy to do that and you don't have to have it. Um, and so, you know, and people are always like, oh, what if I don't know the date? Okay, to be determined by date. <laughs> so you have like a deadline to determine that date, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, because not every, you don't know everything as you get closer and closer to the end of a project, maybe. Um, Other big mistakes I see is having the wrong person or entity sign the agreement. Um, So I I work with a lot of contractors and every time um, they always send me an agreement and they're like, this agreement is between, you know, such, such and such LLC and Christina Scalera. And I have to go back to them and I have to say, no, 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 no. I am not my company. My company has to sign this agreement. And this is something that a lot of business owners, even advanced business owners, they make the mistake of. Um, they're just like, whatever, I'll just sign personally. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're saying that you personally are responsible for um, whatever is happening. So if you're the service provider, you know, and you don't make make good on the promises on, in your contract, um, that person like worst case scenario sues you or is threatening litigation or something, you're personally liable to pay that person back or to, you know, issue them a refund. If you don't have the money, it's your car, it's your house, it's getting, um, you know, a lien against it. So you entering into contracts personally is just, it's a bad idea. Um, so signing as your, your business is actually really, really easy. It's 
like I said, the, the, the byline, the beginning of the contract is such and such LLC enters into this agreement with, instead of Christina Scalera, Christina Scalera LLC, because I was very creative when I titled my LLC. <laughs> um, and then at the bottom of the contract, I'm signing my name as me personally. And underneath that, it says owner or principal, comma, mm-hmm. Christina Scalera LLC, because I have the authority to sign on behalf of my company. Mm-hmm. Um, just like anybody else who's a principal out there of their own LLC, or if they're a sole proprietor, um, it doesn't really matter because there is no LLC to, to help you. I know we've had this talk a Krista, lot. Krista's the uh, president of ours. Uh, she likes to remind me of that every time we sign a contract. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be just the the president or the principal. Um, it could be any like managing member. Mm-hmm. So it if you have basically, you just have to have the authority to sign. So you have to be at least eighteen, mentally competent, um, and then you know of significance in the company that you're making those kinds of decisions and can enter into agreements, um, or you know both of the names of the or all three or four or whatever, however business owners are that can be listed on there, but that's kind of overkill, um, especially if they're signing on behalf of the company. So those mm-hmm. are the two biggest mistakes um, I see people making. Other mistakes I see people making, do we have time for this? Yeah, as far as entity goes, I have a quick question about that. One thing sure. we occasionally get is, oh, I'm gonna send this over, like, and this especially, in, um, I'm talking about in the context of our wedding photography business, we'll, uh, the, the mom or the bride or you know, dad or the bride, whoever wants to sign instead of the couple. How important is it that the bride, we always thought it was important that the bride signed it because we wanted to work with her. You know, at the end of the day, it was her and her and her, you know, husband or fiance that needed to be happy with the pictures, and they were the people we wanted to work with, right? Um, should like, is that the right move? Should should you be concerned when you know the person you're working with is like, hey, let me let me get my parents to sign this? <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. Um, so one thing that we didn't talk about earlier in like the lawnmower situation you gave was if there is no written contract, um, the default contract is whatever common law contract law in your state is. Um, so there actually is still rules governing your service agreement. They just, uh, aren't decided by you Mm -hmm. and they probably aren't very beneficial to you or the client. Um, because they've been made in favor of public policy, generally not your specific situation. So, when it comes to a situation like this, which is really, really common, I'm glad you brought this up, um, where the bride is the one who is signing and then you know, mom or dad also wants to get their signature on it or you know that mom or dad is paying and you, even though the bride and groom have signed, you still know that the check, it, it has mom or dad's name. Um, that's another situation where if, if their name isn't on the contract, if, they don't have, if you don't have their signature, it can, it can get really hairy because there's still a contract that's formed. You're accepting the money. You're cashing it into your account. Um, there's an acceptance of an offer. You've offered to do wedding services or you've offered to do wedding photography services. They've offered to pay you. That's an agreement. Um, it's valid. And there is no contract that's governing that situation. And so a lot of people are really unhappy with this answer. But I didn't make it up. Don't shoot the messenger. Um, <laughs> but you know, if, if there is an agreement in place and there are no rules governing that because you just had bride or groom sign it, um, it doesn't mean that there's no agreement. It just means that there there's nothing that you've done to solidify what the terms of that agreement are. So they could just stop paying and that might be totally okay. Like there might not be any remedy for you in your state and there's no contract there to overrule and override the rules of the state. So that's why the contract's really important. And as an attorney, 
I, I'm trying to get everybody possible to sign because that means that for every single signature that I get, that's more likely that I'm going to be getting money at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, when bride and groom run out of money and mom and dad run out of money and, you know, father of the, the groom is finally the last one left there, it means you're still getting paid at the end of the day. Now, the flip side of that that you noted is that you're responsible for providing the services you've listed in your contract to everybody who signs. Mm -hmm. And so that can get really problematic when you have a pushy mom, um, you know, a pushy mother-in-law, that kind of thing that's going, um, that, that are in conflict with the bride and the groom. And so honestly, I don't, I wish I did. I had, I wish I had a better answer for that, but that's, that's going to be more like you finessing the relationship with the bride and groom. Um, you know, maybe having something in the contract, even about how they're your main point of contact, um, and mom and dad are going to be left off of the email specifically stating that. So the great thing about writing your own contract and having a contract that you're giving to your clients is that you get to make up the rules. And as long as the rules aren't anything illegal, right? Like you can't make a contract to punch someone in the face <laughs> or like allow them to punch you in the face. That's an illegal act. You can't make a contract for that. Um, as long as the rules aren't something that leads to illegal activity, they're, they're mostly allowed. So, mm -hmm. you know, you could have something in there about how, yeah, like you guys are all signing, but as far as communications go, mom or dad, you're going to be left off of everything except for financial stuff. So that's the good thing about having, um, having a contract and not just, they send you a payment and you show up and provide the service because there's, there's nothing there governing that relationship. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely. I think that answers it really thoroughly. Um, is there anything are there any other mistakes um, that that we definitely have to know before signing off here? I think just not being afraid to get really specific. So I yeah. said be specific with numbers. Being specific with uh, the services that you provide is also crucial. And a good example of this is I hired somebody to do Facebook ads for me last summer. And um, I won't name the company because I was not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but they had a contract and it had like four – four parts to the service they were providing. And it was really ambiguous. And at the end of the day, um, people were saying our ads were creepy and like just all this stuff, right? I was very dissatisfied. And I said, by the way, you didn't fulfill like this last third of the agreement. So I want a refund for that. And they said they did. And so it ended up being this whole dispute back and forth. And um, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I was really excited to work with this ads agency to, to get the results that they were claiming they, they were getting for clients. Uh, and I signed the, the agreement and it wasn't very specific, but it ended up working out in my favor, mostly because I'm an attorney, honestly. Yeah. Um, but just that that they weren't specific because I was able to say, well, you didn't provide mm -hmm. this. And here's here's how I think you didn't provide this. Um but if they were really specific as a service provider, one, it would have been more clear to me if they had or had not gotten results in that area. So I would have been probably more satisfied as, as a client. Two, they had a better argument that they had provided exactly what they said they were going to provide for me. So really quickly, as before we wrap up, here's a good example of what I see a lot in contracts because people are scared to get specific. Mm -hmm. They will put things like, um, you know, services provided, and then the bullet point lists out the services provided. Um, wedding day of wedding photography or day of wedding coordination. Then after that, it's like um, one assistant on wedding day, and then it's like, um, you know, what else am I forgetting? Like off the top of my head, as I'm trying to think about this example. But anyway, you guys can kind of see like these are very general things, mm -hmm. and for a lot of us, we're like listening out there, we're like, no, that's really specific. You said you're <laughs> going to show up on the wedding day and you're going to provide an assistant. But what would be like more specific and, and probably um, 
better off for, for both parties is to have something in there that says wedding photographer will be present from like time to time or probably just hours, right? Like mm-hmm. wedding photographer will be present for six hours. Um, that way, if you're going over, right, if they say, I want you here at 10 a.m. and you are still there at 8 p.m., you can say when you're about to hit your six hours, you can you can say to them, hey, like we're right at our six hours. Are you okay with me staying? I'll have to invoice you um, or however you want to leave. Mm-hmm. You can probably say it in a better way than that. But however you want to just kindly rem- remind the client that, like you've hit your threshold. They've no longer paid for your time past this point. Um, and that's only possible when you're specific, because if you just said you'd show up on the wedding day, they're like, what do you mean? You're here. Like, yeah. Keep shooting. Um, but when you, you say six hours on the wedding day, like it's very clear that you have been there from 10 o'clock to four o'clock in the afternoon. And it's now eight o'clock in the afternoon uh, or in the evening. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. And I think that's true for, I mean, we found that, I mean, definitely in wedding photography, because there is a lot of ambiguous about, okay, is that eight continuous hours? Or can you, can I add, like, when you go eat dinner, does does that count towards your eight hours? So there is a lot of confusion there, especially um, on, you know, in DaveyandKrista.com, where we're doing a lot of uh, custom brand and design and logo, you know, development, things like that. Um, it's easy for work to creep into the scope of the project, you know, and yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, well, can I... You know, I guess I can do that one more thing, and then one more thing turns into ten more things, and it looks like a completely different project than when you started out. Um, so I think, especially, and and we learned a lot of that the hard way. You know, so um, speaking of that, that second way to gain confidence through experience, <laughs> but that's a tough way to learn. You know, um, when you yeah, spend so it, just listing out the number of revisions that yeah. a client gets, um, even if you have to define what a revision is, and then you know, putting on your your spidey sense clients goggles and saying someone who has never booked this service before, how are they reading this? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I know when I first started, I <laughs> I thought web development and web design and branding were all the same thing. <laughs> so I hired a firm for my yoga business and I'm like, what do you mean? I have to give you colors for this thing? Like, I don't know, you're the expert, just make a brand, I don't care. <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 we're designing your website, like where's your branding? And I was like, I don't, you're, you're my branding person. <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, totally didn't get it totally clueless and what would have really helped me in that contract is to say you know um one logo with three rounds of revision Mm -hmm. will be provided or whatever so just getting really specific in that way is also helpful Um, but that's also where a client magazine or a client page on your website comes in handy too where you walk them through the process if it's getting a little onerous right like condensing it down to the the most concise, like shortest, easiest way to say it in the contract, and then going bigger and explaining more in in like the, the non legally binding document, right? Like timelines are probably not a good idea to have in a contract. Um, it, it might be a good idea to say you're providing one and it mm-hmm. would be provided by date, but uh, you know that might be something better suited for like their their spe- uh, their specific client portal or or website that you have where you can tweak it and you're not legally bound to it where they can't say like you didn't show up exactly at four and start shooting at 415 like you said you would on your contract timeline um i was there at 420 because <laughs> you told me so that's the kind of stuff that and again I'm, I'm not trying to like overwhelm people i think um like if if anybody takes anything away from from contracts and and this talk that we've had here today i really hope it's that you get out there and you just start trying it because if you never get started if you never start trying this stuff you never will understand it you never will feel confident with it so 
you know, even if some of this is like in over your head, listen to this interview again, um, you know, keep, keep pursuing it for, for me, my, like contracts for most people, this is how I think they feel for, for me, that's like funnels, right? Like it's <laughs> taken me two years to figure out how to make a stupid funnel. And, um, you know, I just kept at it, even though they were intimidating and scary and I was messing up and nothing was working and I was making a, a fool of myself. Um, I just kept at it. And now I feel like I have a really finely tuned process. So the same can be said for you with contracts. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. Uh, I also think that our perception, we have a harder perception of ourselves while we're going through things that we're not comfortable with than others <laughs> actually do of ourselves. And going back to that, that webinar that you did, you know, way back when it seems like um, for the Rising Tide Society on th this same topic, um, you know, to us and to people listening, you know, I'm sure like we were, we were taking notes the entire time, you know, and you might've been thinking to yourself, man, my sales pitch was not very good, <laughs> but, but you're probably the only person thinking that maybe, maybe there's one person out there, but it's, uh, again, I think our perception of ourselves, especially when we're doing something uncomfortable, is just a lot tougher than others. Um, so I think that's great advice. I, I, and I also really, you know, just to reiterate what you're saying about educating your clients through things like client magazines and uh, resources like that, that your clients get. And then don't feel like you said it once so you, you, you can't say it again. You know, I, I think that's something that I've been telling a lot of people we work with lately, which is, hey, you can, if this is important for your clients to know, you can blog about it more than once in your you know, life because that blog post you wrote three years ago, no one can find that unless it's unless they're searching specifically for it or you know it's ranking or whatever in Google. But again, still, it's uh, it's worth saying again, um, and it's worth saying in different ways just so that people get the point. It's so true. Can I tell a quick little story about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. We have time. Okay, yeah. cool. So, in my my service based business is a law firm. Um, spoiler alert and. Anyway, so in my law firm, I, I do mostly just trademark, trademark registrations, prosecution, that kind of thing. So anyway, um, when you register trademark, you get these crazy looking invoices that look very real. And they're all like, your foreign registration is pending. You just have to pay $900 and it'll be on your doorstep. Um, they look super real. And it's really funny because the government has zero sense of humor. But the USPTO, the United States Patent Trademark Office, actually made a video about these notices. And they did it in like the onion style. Um, <laughs> it's so it's actually funny. I'm like, how what? Um, they're also the only profitable government entity that I know of. So anyway, that's probably how they did it. But yeah. that's an aside. Anyway, the story really is that I tell my clients when I before I register their trademark um, about these invoices that are coming, these fake invoices, I tell them right after we have applied for their trademark, I tell them in our monthly newsletter, I tell them when they call me, I tell them when they, you know, on their initial client consult, this is a possibility, I tell them in like four or five different places. And do you know what email I get every single week? Oh my gosh, Christina, I just got this invoice. This is crazy. I don't, know. I don't, I don't have $2,000 to spend on a foreign registration. I'm like, throw it out. It's spam. And it's just so true. People are yeah. not paying attention as closely as you think they are. Um, even if you're like putting it in bold in orange highlighter text in front of their face, which I am doing. So yeah. <laughs> it's both encouraging and it can be a little bit discouraging. But I think the moral of the story is like, just keep, and for SEO purposes, keep putting it out there. Yeah, Jeez. yeah for sure. Keep creating that content. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, uh, rocksolidcontracts.com, thecontractshop.com. Um, is there, and then where, where can we find you uh, on social media and anywhere else you are outside of on the slopes out west? 
Yeah, you can't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've been really bad at social media lately. And, uh, but if you guys really want to follow me, it's at Christina Scalera on all the platforms or the contract shop on all the platforms. Um, there's both. So we would love it if you would just give the contract shop a little love on Facebook, like our page, give us a little comment, something like that. But, um, but yeah, that's probably the, the best way to interact with us. Um, or just write us a message. We love talking to people. There's a big old chat box on the contract shop.com and it's for that purpose. Um, cause I, I just, I'm back there looking at everybody's questions, comments, concerns, and creating content for, for, for what they write in about. So yeah, that's the best way to get in touch. And uh, her newsletter via the contract shop. I don't know if you have any oh, other yeah, newsletters, I, but I, the newsletter I enjoy, uh, <laughs> I feel like it usually comes out on Fridays, right? Uh, and they are, they're, they're funny. I mean, they're well, great content too, but they're also enjoyable to read. Well, thank you. All right. Well, um, like I said, we're going to have to have you get uh, back because we have uh, a thousand other things that I really want to ask you about. Um, and, and as I say uh, so many times to, um, you know, just one of the reasons I started a podcast is just a great excuse to sit down with uh, people like yourself uh, who I really enjoy uh, learning from. So thank you for uh, sharing your expertise and time with us today. And uh, I hope to have you on uh, again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for listening to the Brands That Book podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving a review so that others are more likely to find it. For show notes and other resources, visit davianchrista.com.